Meanwhile, at the Hall of Justice. Hello and welcome to another episode of FW Presents Meanwhile, the potentially weekly show of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, where we are talking about how we are making it through the enforced social distancing thanks to the uh, coronavirus. So last week uh, it was me, Rob Kelly, with Ryan and Max, and now we have an even bigger quorum this time. We've got a huge group here. Uh, we've got Corey. Hi, Corey. Hello. Dr. Ange. Hi, Ange. Hey, Rob. And fellow network all-stars Shag and Siskoid. Hi, guys. Hi. All right, so I don't even really need to be here. So I've just started the recording button, and I'm going to go out and have a snack while the four of you guys talk. So let, let, let's start uh, Let's start with Dr. Ange. Ange, like, you're at, what's going on in your life right now? <laughs> you're right. Uh, well, I'll say things are um, a little bit hectic, you can imagine. Um, I'll... I'll... I'll try to compartmentalize between professional life and uh, and uh, the geek stuff that we're going to talk about. Obviously, things are changing very rapidly here in the States about this COVID-19 virus, that um, that information is coming out very quickly, that hospitals' responses are changing almost on a daily basis, uh, depending upon um, new definitions, new outbreaks, uh, how things are happening within the hospital, how we're trying to treat people outside the hospital. Um, and I also do a little bit of IT um, from an administrative point of view as well as clinical work. So it's been a, a pretty a hectic time. Um, I will remind people that I work in a pediatric emergency medicine uh, room uh, at a children's hospital, um, and so uh, there haven't been uh, as many dramatic uh, pediatric cases right now, knock wood. Um, so uh, it's been interesting to me that the volume in the hospital is relatively low, meaning less people coming into the emergency department, less uh, elective procedures and things like that happening. All that said, the people that are coming in really have to come in, and there is a lot of getting in and out of protective gear. Um, uh, and so even though from a numbers point of view things are less, um, the mental effort, uh, you can't just walk into a room anymore. You have to put things on a certain way. You have to take things off a certain way. You have to make sure that you're protecting yourself. You have to protect everybody else. Um, so things have been a little bit crazy. You can imagine from the IT point of view um, how we're um, – uh, monitoring people, putting people on precautions, all of those things, um, all filtered through the electronic health record. And so there have had to been some rapid changes made to that. Um, and so hooray my life, uh, I guess, is probably <laughs> the best thing that I can say. Um, it, it's truly amazing to me that, like, honestly, my boss has said, that we have to think about this as almost like wartime medicine. None of us have lived through anything like this before. Um, things are going to change rapidly. We just have to make sure that we're, you know, working together as a unit and, do, and doing the right thing. So um, it's been pretty crazy. That's probably about the best thing that I can say. Um, Ange, if I can, I just, I just have a couple of questions. And maybe for hospital HIPAA reasons, you can't even answer these. I don't know. Yeah. But, like, have, have you personally treated any COVID-positive patients? Yes. So what I can say is that there have been many, many, many people that I have, again, geared up for in precaution gear because they have symptoms that are consistent with the COVID virus. Um, we're not testing everybody, um, and we're not going to get into, like, those reasons. But yep. so certainly there could be plenty of people that I have come in contact with that um, have the virus. But I can also tell you that I have personally been the doctor who has taken care of somebody who was admitted to the hospital that was tested that was positive. Uh, and so you can imagine that that puts a level of consternation, you know, and concern. Um, I am being uh, – I am now – 
11 days out of that exposure and symptom-free. Uh, most symptoms happen within five to six days. Um, I have not necessarily been quarantined because I have been symptom-free, but the hospital has been checking in on me um, on a daily basis, in fact, twice daily, to make sure that nothing has changed. Wow. Um, okay. You can imagine, yeah, you can imagine that there's a little bit of... Um, you know, well, uh, you know, certainly you could have been exposed yourself to the person next to you that you wrestled for toilet paper. You know, it's kind of everywhere, <laughs> um, uh, you know, but uh, but this was, uh, you know, indeed like a known contact. So then I just had to sort of wrap my head around that, like, you know, how close do I want to be to people? Like, should I wait until I make sure that I'm out of this quarantine, thing, you know, or some, it wasn't quarantine, but like sort of like uh, I made sure truly that I was socially distant, on, you know, for at least a week out of that exposure to sort of make sure that I wasn't um, going to, you know, give people something. Um, but then you just have to trust that, you know, like, well, I've been trained on how to put this stuff on and how to take this stuff off. Um, and, uh, it turns out that that probably worked right because I'm okay. Wow. So are you, are you working crazy hours? Like we if you go to any of the news sites, they talk about the doctors working around the clock and they've got bruises on their faces from the masks and everything. Are you having to deal with that right now? Yeah. So I'll say, remember that, um, you know, if you talk to an adult, uh, ER colleague, they probably have a different experience that I'm having right now. Mm -hmm. We mm -hmm. are doing our level best to sort of try to say, um, you know, we want to make sure that everybody's being protected because we don't want 20 doctors to suddenly be exposed and need to be quarantined. And then you're down that number of staff. So um, so we're not working any more hours than we typically work as of yet. Um, but it is interesting the different ways, um, the different uh, areas of the hospital are a little bit different. So, you know, I can tell you that the inpatient doctors um, they're trying to sort of say, you know, instead of four of us coming in and taking care of everybody, you know, maybe it's just two of us so that we limit the number of, exp uh, you know, physicians that will be exposed. Um, so uh, it might be different depending upon who you talk to. But right now, it's kind of status quo for me, other than um, I am not going into the hospital except for days that I am working clinically seeing patients. All of my administrative stuff is now virtual from my desk uh, in the comic book loft. <laughs> so. I think I speak for everybody from the network when we just say thanks to you and everyone in the medical profession who are putting their lives on the line being out there. So thank you. Yeah, you know, I can only say that like, and I'm saying that to the people that are still like the cashiers at the grocery store, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, like uh, it sort of filters out. Uh, you know, I saw a great meme of, uh, you know, the end of the Lord of the Rings where Aragorn says like, you will never kneel before anybody. And then it shows the four hobbits and it says like medical workers, you know, grocery store workers, <laughs> pharmacy workers, right? You know, um, but uh, to be honest, you know, uh, and Rob might appreciate this the most, um, I keep quoting Hyman Roth in, in The Godfather too, right? I'm not asking right, I'm not asking any questions. This was the business I chose to be in. Right? You know, uh, this was uh, I you know, I anticipated that I was gonna have to do this sort of stuff. So <laughs> Andrew, are you insisting everybody call you Hawkeye now? No, <laughs> no, not at all. But I will tell you, rule number one is people die in medicine, and rule number two is doctors can't change rule number one. <sighs> oh man. Um, uh, oh boy! Kick off our fun podcast. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I'm also reading comic books. So. <laughs> well, sorry. So, what are you doing in your in your downtime? Let's get into that. What are you doing when you are at home? You're just being, you know, you're not Dr. Charles McKnight, or you're actually just home in your comic book den. 
Yeah. So um, uh, one of the things that I'm trying to do is, again, you know, we'll probably talk about this later, but there are no new comic books that are coming in. Right. I picked up my last pile on Tuesday um, because my store made new arrivals um, available early. Um, uh, and so I'm trying to sort of figure out what do you do when you try to uh, have something up on a blog uh, five days a week and 40 percent of your um material is reviews of current comic books. So I'm trying to sort of go through and sort of figure out what am I going to be posting for at least the foreseeable future as I try to sort of make my way through this. Am I going to post less? The truth is that I probably need the creative outlet more now than ever because, again, I'm an extrovert. Part of my social life was going to work and walking through the hospital and saying hi to people. Um, uh, That's gone. So uh, I'm sort of trying to – I have like – you know, a grid of the next month of, of the blog, and I'm trying to sort of fill in slots. Sad um, sack all, Saturday. That's all I'm saying. Sad yeah, sack Saturday. Yeah, you know, um, I've thought about, you know, do I go sort of outside of the realm? Like most, you know, the blog is basically Supergirl stuff, Superman stuff, Legion stuff. Um, uh, so I was like, do I um, go outside of that circle? In fact, I, I did a post recently that was um, a story about, um, a plague that happened in a uh, unexpected issue where the doctor makes a deal with the devil to figure out how to cure the plague. Um, <laughs> uh, but I'm also sort of looking through my collection and saying, like, what are things that I haven't read in a while that I would like to sort of pull out and read? And the first thing that I pulled out was um, the Enigma miniseries from Peter Milligan and Duncan Fergrado, like one of the very first Vertigo things that came out. Just because it's eight issues, it's very, very weird, uh, and I haven't read it in a while. It's so good. It is so good. It is so good. And, you know, it's one of those things that I think, like, every, you know, eight years or so, I'm like, oh, I should reread that. Um, And every time I read it, I'm like, oh, it's so good. Uh, And I'm halfway through that reread right now. Inch, if you're looking for something to do, there's a Supergirl podcast you could be doing for the Fire and Water Podcast Network. That's all I'm saying. Well... Well, I have to say, like, every time I think, like, maybe now is the time for me to do that, you guys invite me on a show and say, like, editing podcasts suck. <laughs> you know, like, oh, this is probably why I don't do that. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> oh, and you think you have it tough in medicine. Try editing a podcast, buddy. I got to tell you. <laughs> we did argue about that right before this began, so that's true. <laughs> All right, Corey, like, you, you're holed up in Maine right now, correct? I am. Yeah, I'm grappling with a series of ironies. Uh, one of which is that just before I, I left New Jersey uh, to come back to my home in Maine. Well, well, first of all, just so people are aware, I, I am fortunate to have two homes. I have a home, my childhood home in Maine, which I inherited recently, and uh, a home that I bought in New Jersey. And I live between the two of them, usually in like two-week chunks. Uh, I go to Maine for two weeks. I go back to New Jersey for two weeks. Um, this time I went to Maine for two weeks and all of a sudden, uh, World War Z broke out. So, uh, <laughs> I, I was like, well, I, I could go back to Jersey or I could stay here where, where literally guys, there is a toilet paper manufacturing production facility in my town. <laughs> Maine is a, Maine is a pulp and paper state and my town has a toilet paper factory. So hello. Uh, why would anyone leave? Why would anyone leave? Um, and, but, but the, the, kind of ironically at my home in New Jersey, I had built, uh, I recently turned a, a room that I had into uh, an office and I have a dedicated space to podcasting for the, the, the odd occasion when I am, uh, um, not, 
you know, when, when I'm a guest on, on a podcast and, uh, you know, maybe for future endeavors. <clears throat> and the, um, the irony is that I, I haven't done, uh, well, I think I did a mash cast with you, Rob, actually from that space. And then we came here and we got stuck here and now I've got like back to back podcasts <laughs> and, <laughs> and I'm doing it from my, my, uh, old bedroom upstairs at my, my, my house in Maine. Um, on my cell phone <laughs> as lo-fi as possible. Um, and, uh, and, and the other irony is that, uh, you know, now that I don't have any ability to socialize with people, I have all this time to read. And of course I left my glasses in New Jersey. So, I have become Burgess Meredith. Uh, I am trapped in a Twilight Zone episode. And, you know, I went online. I won't say the name of the site because I'll be damned if I will give them any publicity uh, (laughs) to order glasses. And they said three to five business days. Uh, What they don't tell you is, of course, that the manufacturing of said glasses takes 12 to uh, to 13 days to get them to you. And then it's three to five business days. So I'm like, oh, come on, man. So so one day I will be able to read uh, more than uh, just comic books <laughs> which i'm looking forward to you know Corey, that would be good treasury comics would be good for that because the print is bigger <laughs> I mean, do, you, do you have a, a like a recommendation of a podcast that i could listen to so i could get some idea of a few <laughs> i am trying to get in all of my shows during this episode of meanwhile <laughs> <laughs> but you know um we'll just plug everything except for joe rogan yeah. um so <laughs> I'm taking that out. I'm Oops. taking that out. This is going to be yeah, so that out for me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, work wise, like life wise, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't want to use the word stuck. I, we have chosen to remain in a, a less, uh, a less rapidly increasing viral load state. <laughs> um, we've, uh, Jamie, my girlfriend, and I have decided to stay here until things quiet down a bit and, and, and stuff gets back to normal. But, from a work perspective, I work in IT for a healthcare company, and we sent um, every employee that we have that isn't uh, a medically necessary uh, to work from home. And uh, that the department that I work for was responsible basically for, for making that happen for, uh, I think, more than 10,000 people, and, and all of whom were not necessarily living in the United States. And while I wasn't doing the uh, in the trenches work on that, I was you know pretty impacted by it for, from in my job because all of a sudden all these people that I rely on to do my work are just unavailable for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So that that added a lovely lovely layer of stress. But from the um, from the working from home perspective, I, 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 that's what I do. I work from home anyway. Um, so that hasn't changed. That that's been pretty nice um, that I haven't had to deal with that kind of you know really just awkward <laughs> uh, uh, adjustment that a lot of people have been going on to. So, I mean, in my downtime, I've been, like I said, I've been reading comic books. Uh, I've been reading a bunch of uh, Jonathan Hickman. I've been reading, um, I've been reading the invisibles. That was my comics falling on the floor. Um, <laughs> I found this random, random book that I had bought like a couple of years ago called King's watch, which is, uh, which is a, um, sort of modern retelling of the King, uh, King syndicate, syndicate characters like Flash Gordon and the Phantom. Mm. Yeah, it's basically defenders of the earth, but with a, with oh, a, with a less, yeah. yeah, with a less like 
Marvel animated kind of vibe, more of a, um, you know, more of a, I guess they're going for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen kind of, kind of perspective. Um, that's kind of fun. It's not super quick, but it's, it's fun. Um, Bailey, like have a role in that or not yet. That'd be cool though. (laughs) He's like president Bailey or something. Right. (laughs) Um, but yeah, no, I've, I've been, you know, reading what I can when I can. Um, I've been putting a lot of pen to paper on, on a, uh, a long gestating uh, podcast uh, mm. concept that's been kicking around in my brain that Rob berates me. I mean, uh, encourages me uh, <laughs> about. Periodically. Um, and, you know, mostly up here, you, you, you would, you know, other than the fact that there's literally no cars on the road and my, uh, Jamie and I didn't see another human being from Sunday of earlier this week until, like this morning. Oh no, last night. We actually ventured out last night. We went to Starbucks, went through the drive through, got a beverage, had a nice conversation with somebody at the drive through at Starbucks. But in that entire work week we didn't see another human being. Other than that, it's sort of business as usual. <laughs> I want I was gonna ask you, how close are your nearest neighbors? You know, they're really close. I, I live uh where I live is uh is a sort of was I grew up here, it was a wilderness area and then a developer bought it and built houses around me so i have a very close house on one side you know i look out my window and i can see them uh and then again on the other side but uh there's nothing on the other side of the street from me and my front yard is a lake so the next nearest house from my front yard is across the lake so it's to to say i don't have very close neighbors wouldn't wouldn't be true um but it's the, the way they're spaced out is is such that you can it feels like you don't have anybody living right on top of you. Unlike my house in New Jersey, where literally I have a house living almost right on top of me. Yeah. We refer to it as the death jar in my home. It's just this enormous, you know, that's not a moon. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> One of the things you failed to mention, Corey, is because last summer I, I went to your town where you, you are right now, and you, you live essentially right down the street where the stand was written. I mean, right? Yes, I do. Yeah. So, I mean, you, there's, there's something. There's got to be some uh, kitsch value out of that, I would think. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because actually the town that I live in is the town where Stephen King was living when he wrote, uh, he wrote Carrie. He wrote, you know all of his earliest books, Salem's Lot, like all that stuff. Um, and he was, a, my understanding is he was a teacher here, and he was um, uh, his he, his extracurricular activity was drinking himself into oblivion and writing his novels. And uh, <laughs> you know, this is this is sort of where he uh, developed his alcoholism. Uh, and and it, it it's it's interesting when you drive around and and you look and it you see things like you know a town which normally has people walking around and you know, um, cars, (laughs) you know, actually last night I drove past his house and, uh, he has this old, uh, hemlock tree that was in his front yard that had to come down because it had illness. But instead of just taking the tree down, they're actually turning it into a chainsaw sculpture. (laughs) I mean, he's not, (laughs) that would be crazy, but, um, he's had a world famous chainsaw sculptor come and, and sculpt his tree. So we drove past and looked at that, but, you can definitely see, um, like scenes from his books when you, when you, when you drive around this town and it's, it's sort of empty. Um, it, it, it's just really creepy. I, have I, can I tell us, can I tell a story I may have told before? 
Absolutely. Uh, I do that all the time. <laughs> so, Every um, week. <laughs> so, uh, Night of the Living Dead, right? Everybody here has, has seen that. And I'm assuming, geez, I just made a huge assumption, but uh, black and white, you know, horror movie. I saw it at a little theater in Bangor, Maine that used to be an opera house. And it was sort of coming to the end of its its run. It was closing its doors. And they just showed a bunch of movies that they had available to watch um, in their personal archive or whatever. And like the last, the last film that they showed was Night of the Living Dead and, and came out of that theater. And it was, you know, 5 a.m., um, and so the, the sun was barely up, you know, and the city of Bangor is, is largely composed as many New England cities are of granite. So when you come out at that time of day, it just looks like you're in a black and white world and it's five o'clock in the morning and nothing is around. So you really just have that sort of sense of dread that Night of the Living Dead sort of imposes on you. Hmm. And it feels like you've sort of stepped into that film a little bit. Um, and that is how it felt the other night driving around town. <laughs> like, wow, everything is just everybody's gone like it's just quiet it really really uh kind of does give you the creeps a little bit siskoid what it's like in your neck of the what's it like in your neck of the woods canada uh yes all of uh, canada yes all, of canada? all of canada, <laughs> yeah, all please, of canada. Speak, as, speak as well as you can for saskatchewan please yeah um well <laughs> saskatchewan always looks like it's a night of the living dead i'm pretty sure uh, <laughs> And I say that coming from New Brunswick, where eh, it's close enough. Um, no, well, here, I, I've got the same I'm, – I'm, like Corey, I work from home. And by work, I mean play. So it's not – you know, I, I it, there isn't re- a real day-to-day impact on me because I'm living the same life I would have led, um, more or less, because it did mean uh, that we had to cancel all the improv events for the kids – um, right through the summer. And, uh, so that was, that had an impact. I'm president of the improv, uh, association in, in New Brunswick. Uh, and we were like the first to, to call off something because we had a tournament the next, basically the next weekend and, um, uh, spring break here had just finished. So we got all these kids and, and teachers coming back from spring break from God knows where, and a week later, so that's not not a sufficient quarantine time. A week later, we would have had uh, a tournament with, with you know teams from all over the province. Uh, and um, as as well, if people that listened to Give Me That Star Trek uh, would have heard like the first COVID nineteen show that we, uh, that we did uh, here in um, uh, on the on the network uh, because I, I talked to an epidemiologist about you know just how it was handled in Star Trek in a particular episode of Star Trek. Um, and when we planned it, we were not, you know, we were not looking down the barrel of a, of this kind of epidemic. So uh, by the time we did it, he was able to, to speak to it a little bit because it, it had started, but it hadn't really come here yet. Um, and so the, this is a, this is a friend of mine. And now he's moved on. If, if people listen to that show, they heard that he really, his department, he really works on, you know, stats on uh, healthcare problems that are not necessarily viral. So, you know, people dying in hospitals or in um, uh, homes 
And then, you know, are there systemic problems? That's that's the sort of research that he did. Now he's been moved over to the 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 the, the COVID team. So he's working super long hours and he's not seeing his family anymore. Uh, he's more or less on the front lines because they put, you know, they pulled everybody away from things that weren't so crucial and put them on on this project, of course. So he might come back to the show to discuss his his new experience after this. We'll see. Um, we'll see if I can fit it in somehow. But um, so, so I've got this friend who's work, who's got, you know he's got the the inside line. Uh, at the government. So I knew in advance that we were sort of looking at school closures. And so we were really the first to, 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 to cancel things. And uh, I got a lot of people contacted me and, and, you know, rolled their eyes at me that we were jumping the gun and panicking and, and they don't come back from vacation and they were fine. And I was like, Mm. And two days later, the very same people were sending their own press releases and canceling things on their ends. Uh, so it's like, you know, uh, I, I, crisis management has been something that I worked with or against when I, you know, when I used to work at the university. And they're always slow to respond. And I imagine if I still had that job, I would have been tearing my, my hair out uh, at their slow response. And, of course, they had like the slowest response in human existence to this, even though they have, you know, classrooms full of students from all over who had just come back from spring break from their home countries, from um, vacation spots, from anywhere, uh, and it at least took them at least a week or, or, or two weeks more than anyone else to respond and put a plan in place and actually close down classrooms. I mean, nightmare. Um, even though we're in a, a location where very few people are affected. So uh, for me, it's it's business as usual with a lot less work in a way. So I've been uh, I've been attacking my uh, my Doctor Who expanded universe source books. Uh, it's like the latest one is like a year late, more than a year late, and that's, it's really my fault because my writing partner has has done all the work, and I haven't been able to do the layouts. I'm doing a lot of layouts now for that, and I hope to have it done in the next couple of weeks. And then on to the next and the next because um, we've been writing entries for that those unofficial RPG uh, products. Well, I, I would call it products because we can't can't sell them, but uh, uh, those books for a while. Even though I was kind of stalled on my end, um, you know, the work was still advancing. So there's just that that that's coming up. Um, as far as just um, you know social activity, uh, well, you know, people who have a, a glimpse into our minds through mostly Ohad Mornat, um, know that we sometimes do or often do like these weird activities or strange parties or just like whatever harebrained idea, we say yes. We, we say yes to that. So in this case, my roommate, who was not part of the Ohad Mu gang, um, had this crazy idea to do a table read of a Star Trek episode, of a TNG episode. <laughs> online uh so you know we, you wouldn't believe bass has the greatest irish accent he did a, a amazing o'brien i wish o'brien had a bigger role in the episode we picked <laughs> based on that but we just got some friends together a bunch of frenchies and um just read uh, the measure of a man the episode where data has to prove his sentience or picard has to prove his sentience and um um i, I, I taped it i I, I, I'm not sure about the quality of the 
I don't mean the acting because, of course, the acting is, is middling. But, but I mean, I'm not sure about the, the quality of the recording because there were so many people on there from, you know, at different sources uh, doing the different roles. But um, if the recording holds up, I'll, I'll maybe I'll patch something together and turn it into a Gimme That Star Trek episode. Uh, I know the girls also had like a dance party where they dressed up and all played the same playlist. And uh, I did not attend uh, this was all virtual, of course, but I did not attend. Uh, but um, it's stuff like that. So we're still having our movie night, but we're just picking a movie that everyone can watch at the same time, press play at the same time, and chat, uh, you know, textually chat during the film. Stuff like that to just replace our usual outings. Um, some things cannot be replaced, of course. You know, we used to go to the theater every week. We can't do that anymore. Uh, and, I mean... For you guys, you know, your podcasting is not really affected or just gives you more time to podcast. But for me, half of my podcasts were in person. I was about to and ask what's going to happen at Ohatmu. Yeah, Ohatmu. Well, we did the table read most with a lot, like four of the six Ohatmu girls were part of the cast. Uh, and uh, it was sort of a tryout. So uh, I, was, I was trying to see, well, would this work with a large group? You know, uh, Skype says you can be up to 50 on a call. <clears throat> what? Well, that's what it says. That's what they say. That's what they proclaim. Okay. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you have to pay into the system to get 50, but still, that it could sustain 50 on a conference call. Of course, on a conference call, people listen. Uh, it's not 50 people talking all at the same time. Um, so uh, can I do seven is the question. Seven seems okay. I think I've got a, I've got at least one girl who lives in a basement and is uh, the connection was very poor. Uh, but it's my basement, so technically, uh, well, things I mean, got dark really fast. Uh, well, I mean, my basement. The, the house has three apartments, and the basement apartment Nat lives there. DJ Nat lives there. So Nat would, could conceivably come up, and we could be on the on the microphone. Uh, we, we've all been, you know, we've all been in, in quarantine, um, at the same time. And so, uh, and we've seen each other, you know, we've crossed each other's paths at less than two meters, uh, since then. So it's like, it'd be just like, okay, you know, we, we can break quarantine within the house, I think is fine given that we know all of our habits and where we go. And, and we've been in a cart, you know, in the same car since then to go gro- grocery shopping. So, uh, it should be fine. Um, and she was the, the only one that was really problematic, although I've been tested every, you know, every girl's system at home. So it would just mean that they'd have to listen to each other more and st- step less on each other's toes. And it may actually be good for the show. <laughs> um, but we are planning. I mean, the, the next one is supposed to drop like April 14th and we're, we're going to try it. We're, we're going to. We're, we're just going to do it at a distance um, and uh, and see how it goes. So it's just going to be a little more controlled, hopefully. For those you know? of you not Canadian, two meters equals six feet. Yeah, about. <laughs> I mean, that's supposed to be the the social distancing. You know, don't approach people more than two meters or so. Uh, <laughs> well, that's what it's say. Uh, so that was I mean, that's pretty much what I've been up to um, and how it feels here. I think uh, – Canada is possibly, uh, you know, dealing with it better than the states. Um, you know, better leadership, better, more money going to the people uh, who need it. 
and and a smaller population. So obviously we're not you know we're gonna have fewer cases and it's it's easier to control the the social distancing aspect as well. Speaking of uh, uh, podcasters that step on their co-hosts talking, Shag, how are you doing? <laughs> I was waiting for what surly introduction I was going to get. Uh, I'm doing okay. Uh, you know, for those of you who don't know, I'm down here in Florida, which is the number seven state for outbreaks in the country. And we are, at least at the time of this recording, pretty much still open for business all the way around. You, you can't go into a restaurant, but pretty much other than that, there's not a lot that's closed. And most of the country is angry at us. I went to bed the other night, and the the trending number one trending hashtag in America was "shut down Florida." <laughs> yeah, but what Which, about the coronavirus? Right, exactly. So, because all the spring breakers are coming down here, in you know, and it's uh, and going home with it. So, sorry, folks. Uh, on behalf of my state, I sincerely apologize. So, and also being that it's not fifty degrees like it is up where you guys are, uh, it's it's spring here already, and everything is blooming. I, where I live, the city I live in is like one of the number one allergy-ridden cities in the country. They always tell you, if you have bad allergies, don't move to these cities. Mine is always right towards the top of the list. So everything's coated in, a, really uh, in yellow. Florida, Say that again? You're really selling Florida here. <laughs> I don't want anyone else coming down <laughs> here. Are you kidding? Tourism board or... <laughs> <laughs> so everything is covered in a film of yellow pollen right now. So uh, my throat, I wake up every morning and my throat's killing me. And it's like, it, and I know that's not one of the symptoms, but when you first wake up, you're like, oh, do I have it? Oh, no. I mean, I'm sure everyone at home has had some moment where they felt some weird twinge in their body that they don't normally feel and thought for a split second, oh, is it me? Is it my turn? Oh, my gosh. And uh, that's just, you know, one of the things we all deal with. As far as uh, work goes, I've been working from home for six years, so I don't have a huge difference there. The only real difference is all my coworkers are now working from home as well. So uh, it used to be the people in the main office all got sort of preferential treatment, and now those of us uh, now they're all working remotely, so they have a lot greater appreciation for what remote employees go through, which is sort of nice. And and, and without going to too much detail, my job is to plan live in-person meetings around the country. Uh, I do a lot of them, like thousands. And unfortunately, that's not a good job to be in right now. So my job is, uh, as much like everyone else's, has gone crazy. Um, and I'm just trying to figure out how to convert all of these live meetings to simulcasts. And there's just uh, so many moving parts. It's just, it's maddening. As far as the home sort of setting, you know, my wife is working from home now too. So I'm used to having a very isolated world. You know, I work from home. I don't I, social distancing. That's my life, guys. So uh, suddenly I'm surrounded by my wife and my daughter who are constantly, and that that's that's making it a little hard. Now, Ange and I have one thing in common that I, I haven't heard addressed on the podcast yet, this one or the previous episode, which is having adult children that live out of the house. Mm-hmm. So, Ange, how are you dealing with that? I'd love to hear that. Um, so, uh, this is going to be a peek into the, the, the world of Ange, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so here's what I'll say. Uh, here's a riddle I have for you guys. What goes, uh, what is slower than a divorce proceeding? A divorce proceeding during a global pandemic. Um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, that is, that is, uh, uh so uh, the, what's interesting is that I, I have three daughters, um, 21, 18, and 16. And, um, uh, and uh, the oldest was in college, uh, in her junior year of college, and that basically shut down. Um, and she's an education major, so part of her classes were 
um, to spend time in uh, elementary school classrooms so that she could learn her craft. And that's also shut down. So she basically moved home. And by home, I mean the house where my ex-wife uh, lives or uh, uh, soon-to-be ex-wife lives. Uh, and it's the same with those um, other kids. Uh, the high school has been shut down at least uh, until mid-April, although uh, if I'm reading the tea leaves, probably for the year. Mm -hmm. um, and so I have just been in touch with them to sort of say, like, um, you guys really need to, you know, you're an adult enough now that you need to practice this social distancing. This isn't a joke, um, you know, but you're adults, uh, you know, you get to decide, you know, what you do. Just know that you should do that. Uh, I'm also in this weird place where it's like of anybody who is going to be um, exposed to this and have it, it's probably me. And so I've tried to sort of say, like, I don't know, like, you know, uh, it would be great if you came over and saw me. I would love for you. And if I lived at the house, of course, I would see you. But, you know, I'm probably going to be the biggest vector of anybody. Um, and so uh, we need to keep in touch with each other electronically. I would love to see you guys if you feel OK with it. Um, hey, I just uh, treated somebody who was positive, maybe not for the next 10 days. Um, so uh, so it's been a little bit strange for me. There's been a lot of texting that's been going on. There's been a lot of phone calls. Um, and believe it or not, um, after this uh, podcast, um, the oldest is coming over to visit because I sort of said, like, I'm symptom free. And she's like, I want to see you. Mm -hmm. um, but it's been very interesting to hear how they have been dealing with this because they're adults now. So, um, you know, the 18-year-old the basically said um, – there are three friends that I'm very close with, and we have decided to socially isolate, meaning we're not going to see other people outside of the four of us, almost like a breakfast club kind of a thing. <laughs> uh, you know, and, uh, and they said as long as they're not getting symptoms, they'll, they'll only interact with each other and even that minimally. And I sort of said, like, well, that's not true to the purpose of social isolation, but it's better than going to the mall, you know, <laughs> or better than, like, you know, hanging out with 50 people. Um, so I'm just sort of trying to sort of um, be there for them as a little bit of a resource, um, uh, but also to treat them like the adults that they are. It's really it's – it's tough. It's tough. I, our situation's uh, a little different. Our, our adult son, he lives out on his own, and uh, he's 21, or he's about to be 21, and he works at a car wash. And again, nothing in Florida is closed. So, he, well, again, restaurants are, but and schools. But he he uh, he's he's working, you know, five days a week. He's around tons of people, exchanging money, whatever things like that. He and until about a week ago, he was still going over to his friends' houses, hanging out, going out to shops, everything, and he wasn't treating it as seriously. He, he kept telling us, you know, he didn't see what the big deal was. So the struggle in our case is, you know, my wife wants to see him, you know, and so. What we've sort of settled on is he'll come over here and we sort of stand in the driveway uh, six feet apart and just chat for a little while is what we've been doing. But it's very – emotionally wise, it's very, very, very hard for my wife because she wants to hug her son. And she wants to spend time with him. The fact that she can't physically you know, uh, be with him and the fact that I'm holding the line and saying I love him but I'm going to love him from a distance. He's not going to come in the house. And these are – challenges a lot of people are facing so it's uh it's very hard i'd love to hear in the comments other people what they're doing because i'd love some ideas on how to deal with this and the emotional challenge of it yeah uh, i'll just add you know like i come from a big italian american family we canceled easter 
right? And you know that oh, was one of, right, that, you know that's like forty people at my mother's house, right? And we basically said we we can't do this, you know. And uh, again, think of like my mother and father are both alive; they're in their early eighties, right? It's like the last thing I want to do is be seeing you. Who knows what I've got, right? You know? mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, it really has impacted not only the family, you know, the the nuclear family, but sort of like um, the much larger family. It's it's really tough. It's really tough, you know. Um, uh, I love my mother and father. I told them, I'm not going to see you until this thing kind of blows over. You know, I'll talk to you all the time I can on the phone. So it's yeah. really crazy. Yeah, we. my mother-in-law uh, has compromised lungs uh, from an infection years ago. And so, you know, right now we're trying to convince her to stay home. We're offering to maybe go grocery shopping for her and just leave it on her front porch or something like that just to try and help out. So uh, from the nerd perspective, you know, what this really is probably supposed to be is supposed to be the fun stuff. So what have I been doing personally? Um, I've been watching a lot of Chuck, which is an old TV show from NBC. For those of you who are in the Fire and Water Fitness group, you're well aware that I'm watching Chuck as I post about it constantly. I love that show. I'm actually watching it twice. I watch it on my own uh, when I'm on the treadmill, and then I watch it with my daughter because she's fallen in love with it now too. So we're binging it together. So I get to watch each episode twice, which makes me so happy. It's so good. That's Just great, for- yeah. I just signed up for uh, CVS All Access. Uh, thank you. I think it was you, Siskoid, who told us that there was mm-hmm. a free month. So I signed up. I've watched the first two episodes of Picard. Loving that. So good. Can't wait to uh, get further so into good. it. Keep the spoilers off the internet, folks, please. Then um, there was a <laughs> – They all die. They all die. <laughs> well, I heard it's a lot like Blake Seven, so I guess that makes sense. So there was a huge doctor. There's been a couple Doctor Who watch parties, which some people have organized, which are pretty cool. Where they they basically say, okay, everyone watch this particular episode of Doctor. Rob just fell asleep, I know, but anyway, everyone watch Doctor mm-hmm. Who, hit play at the same time, and. All over what? the all over the Twitters and stuff, people are you know t- talk chatting about it. I participated in one of them. Another one was during working hours because those British people are weird, so I couldn't do that one. But it's a lot of fun, and the creators behind the show have gotten involved. Like um, they've actually written additional scenes. Like this episode that came out you know X amount of years ago is, is well beloved, but now they've written an extra scene and they post that online for free, or they record little view, uh, YouTube videos of uh, a guy with a puppet enacting the new scene. And so there's a lot of the Doctor Who community is really trying to support each other. Distantly, which I, I think has been great. Comic book wise, I don't know why, but I started reading the Booster Gold comic from 2007 that Jeff Johns wrote. Uh, it's mm-hmm. all time travel and super fun dips into the DC universe. I'm having a blast with that. Been doing some podcasting. I actually have the next two episodes of JLI in the can already recorded. Uh, now the burden is editing. I heard Ange is offering to step up and do that for me, though. Thank you. Shit, then Ange. And then our role playing group, we decided not to physically get together, which is which is a crushing to us because we don't get to do it all that often. So we actually did it on Zoom the other day. We had all five of us on Zoom and we were you know rolling dice and and of course the very first roll of dice I got ninety nine out of a hundred point you know because you're trying to roll up to a hundred on the dice I got ninety nine I'm like guys I really did they're like we can't see the dice and I'm like I really really did <laughs> so but uh, it's been fun it's been a lot of fun. So that, that those games, I should say, finding ways to occupy yourself. Overall, it has not been fun. But um, I, one thing I wanted to talk about that I thought would be interesting is what's going on. And, and Ange mentioned it, the comic book industry. So comic books not getting new comics. DC and Marvel, I, I believe I heard they're not producing new stuff either. So what do we think is going to do? What's going to happen to the comic industry? How are they going to pull out of this? Anybody want to go first? I think a lot of stores are going to fold. I mean, they mm-hmm. you know they don't have a lot of money laying around to weather this. So, and I can't imagine that local governments are going to really be concerned about comic book stores folding. Yeah, I think over here we I mean, do a lot have. Of shops... oh, oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. I was going to say a lot of shops have diversified into a more 
um, pop culture oriented shop, you know, and sell Funko Pops and T-shirts and, you know, things that are geared toward, you know, as much toward people who just sort of like the movies and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, I, I don't know how much um, those shops in particular, how much their revenue, you know, their, their profitability depends on the revenue stream that monthly, weekly comics provide. But those shops that are, you know, deeply dialed into the, the weekly, you know, the, the, the folks who get weekly pulls and that kind of thing, I, I have to think they're, they're frightened right now. Yeah. I think it's, it's not just it's well it's not just that there are no comics coming out it's the stores are closed so comic book shops like every small business they still have to pay rent mm-hmm. they yeah. may still they may still pay some salary and I here in Canada they're they've just announced that they're going to uh pay the salary of uh employees or part of the 75% of the salary of employees you know stuff like that to mm. to, to just to to take the load off but a, a business that is closed and still paying rent and still paying whatever else and cannot sell product, um, you know, at the end of this, after three months or whatever it's going to be, um, is that, does that business still exist, um, especially, you know, especially these small businesses? The big, the big franchises and the big uh, you know, corporate stuff, they're fine, really. Uh, they can pick up where they left off. But small businesses, not so much. And comic book shops certainly fall into that category. If, I mean, a lot of comic book shops have uh, said that they would uh, do mail order and, you know, you could, you know, they would sell, send you your pull list if you wanted and, uh, and still have like an employee there doing that kind of work. Uh, And then if, if diamond uh, has decided not to, to, to send new product to comic book shops, then, They've just, you know, they, they, they've just uh, cut the grass right from under them, you know, pulled the rug out of, from under that business plan. Uh, so you could still, I guess, you could still order older stuff and trades and, uh, and other pop culture elements, but uh, there's no new product coming in. There's no way to fulfill those orders. If I want a certain something that is not in the store, Diamond's not going to send it to my comic book shop. So... Um, uh, you know, it's almost like it was a bad idea to to, to give somebody a monopoly on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, so it it may well it will affect those those stores. Uh, what does that mean for the comic book industry beyond that? Once you know, stores have possibly closed forever. Um, you know, that's more of a local issue. Is that gonna does that trickle up to the you know, the, the publishers basically. And will they have to listen to the, you know, Ryan's podcast on what, what the, you know, what DC should do uh, if, if he were editor and if we replaced Dan DiDio, um, there's a lot of stuff in there that is about the imminent death of the comic book industry as it exists in, you know, in the American market. So uh, we were all already declaring it on its last days, on yeah. that show, if you listen to it, um, and uh, well, this may be the you know the final nail in the coffin. And you want to go before I start rattling off a bunch of stuff? 
Yeah, I'll tell you the, the thing that struck me. So um, here in the state that I'm in, obviously, all non-essential um, businesses have been closed to the point that the um, the comic book store that I go to said they can't even have an employee on the premises. So even if there was something like, can you see if you have action number 400 for me and email and mail it to me, they can't even be there to do that. So they're really shut. And I think the thing um, that I did when I went on that last day was. I bought two bag, two things of bags and two things of backing boards, right? Now, I had the luxury of having a little bit of extra money on me that I could do that. But I said, you know, like, here's a little bit, you know, I'm going to be set for months now with uh, bags and backing boards. But at least I could do that to try to put a little bit more money into their pocket then. Um, and I think they also said that they might do something where you can do online gift certificates just to keep the money sort of trickling in for them. That oh. then once, obviously, they open up the doors that you can then go in and use them. Um, but at least it's like a little bit of a steady stream of profit. I think the bigger question that I have is, what do the comic book companies do? I'm not a digital guy. Um, but if they keep putting, if they have like, we have three months on the can and we're just going to keep putting them on digitally, um, am I going to buy them digitally? I don't know. Um, and then what will happen once the doors open up? Will they then say we're sending four months worth of comic books to the stores? I don't know if that's the right business model, um, but I don't know if them not putting out anything over the next three months at all makes much sense either. They've got creators that they have to pay that are paid by, you know, writing and drawing, you know, and um, uh, do they want to turn the spigot off for those guys as well? The, many of them are freelancers, right? So they probably are even more dependent upon this. Um, so I kind of don't know um, what what the right thing to do is. Um, and that really makes me concerned that, um about the stories in general. If I say I'm going to switch to digital because they're still putting out books and, oh, I don't mind this. Maybe I don't go into that store every Wednesday. And then am I just also nailing that last nail into the coffin? I like my floppies. Um, uh, and so um, I'm kind of uh, interested in seeing where it all goes. But you see, I, I've gone digital because the store is too far away uh, to walk uh, mm -hmm. you know, easily. I, I went to digital and it's like, you know what? Digital's fine. And it's so much easier to, to stop reading something because it's not a pull list. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a lot of people might find this out if if digital only is, it kind of survives where stores don't. Well, as far as the stars go, yeah, first thing, um, definitely reach out to your local store. Find out if they're still open or if they can at least do mail order. Like maybe they're not allowed to be open for business, but they can do mail order, whatever, as, as Ange was indicating. Like my local store is still doing mail order. And what you can do, folks, is find out what they have and just buy a bunch of crap off the shelves. That's what I did. I, I said, all right, tell me what you got. Or, or, or actually, went out, he has an Amazon page as well. I went out, found a bunch of stuff on his Amazon page. And I said, you know what? I don't really need this stuff. But I'll buy it, you know, ship it, just throw it in a box, send it to me or hold it till when all this is over, I'll come pick it up. I don't care, whatever, but I will take all this stuff to help put some money in your pocket today. Um, in fact, you can reach out to your local comic shop and if they're not real savvy with this, tell them to just take their phone and take pictures of their, uh, trade paperback bookcases because all they got to do is put that on Facebook and say, Hey, here's all my trades. You know, to, you know, message me and I'll mail them to you. And so they're just ways for them to keep getting some revenue. I would hope because most comic shops are not in, you know, the malls. There are a few, but most are not. Most are in, let's face it, they're in strip malls that have laundromats, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, these commercial uh, real estate folks are going to have to be a little smart about this. I don't think they can hit every one of their businesses with back rent and just go pay or you're out because there's no one else who's going to come in. You know, there's no one. 
Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No one's got the money to reopen, to open a brand new business. So I think a lot of these strip malls are going to have to work out some deal. So I have some hope the comic shops will make it there. Now, since this guy was plugging an old podcast, I'll plug one. A couple of years ago, uh, myself and a couple of friends from other networks got together and did a show on what the comic book market it looks like today what it's going to look like in the future. It was on the, it's on the FW Presents feed somewhere back there. And we talked a lot about these subjects. One of the things we talked about is kind of like the comic, uh, the comic companies don't really care about the comic shops. They wish they could cut the cord on the comic shops and the physical printing and just go digital because it would save them so much money. So I am afraid of what DC and Marvel might use this opportunity to cut the cord. Uh, just like you guys talked about in the last episode, a movie, a movie distributors are yeah. you know probably looking to cut the cord on movie theaters. So I, I worry a lot about what they're going to do. Absolutely. Well, but, um, I just I just to interrupt for one second about that. Like they're not actually. And they're, I interrupt. They, you're saying? Yeah, hard to believe. <laughs> no, I mean they don't want to get rid of movie theaters because movie theaters are. I mean, like Disney is not putting Black Widow like on Disney Plus. They want to get it in theaters, so they have postponed it until they can put it back in theaters. So they're they're not quite as eager to cut rid of movie theaters the way comic shops are. I think. Like I agree with you there that that most comic book companies would probably be just fine if comic book stores went away. Yeah, and, and part of that model too is like you know a lot of comic companies would sell comics for ninety nine cents, but they can't. They get digitally that is they can't as long as they're still publishing a physical one that has to sell for three ninety nine. They can't do that to the local comic shops. So they, they, they once the comic shops are out of the picture, they can change the whole financial model completely. So and, and regarding movie theaters, I I used to work in movie theaters for uh, three years. I, I, ma- I managed the AMC multi cinema chain. Um, I I don't know that they're going to come out of this very well either. I think you're going to lose a lot of movie theaters after this because it, over the last 20 years, when I, when I worked for them 20 years ago, I used to watch you know the the in person cinema experience was shrinking and shrinking and shrinking and shrinking, and getting smaller. And now you know this might be a way for them to completely reinvent that platform. So I, I'm not saying every movie theater is going to go away, but I think you're going to lose a lot of them. So yeah, I have hmm. to wonder if if people can get their brand new movies on a Friday night. How many of them are going to bother going out to the theater? I mean, we I mentioned on the previous show we watched The Invisible Man, and that was a movie we wanted to see uh, mm-hmm. anyway. Uh, but it was great being able to be like, wow, we can just watch it tonight. It was really – I mean I would have preferred to go to a theater because I want to support movie theaters. But I have to admit it was pretty cool to be able to – and I, I had no hesitation paying the $20 uh, it costs to rent it because I was like, well, if if the two of it, me and Kelly went and then we bought food, that was way more than twenty bucks. So I, I, was it a I rental or was it a rental or a purchase? It's a can rental. You, re- it's a rental. It is a rental. It's yeah. Rent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, the, they want to recoup. The ones that are- yeah. Because okay. because do you? I don't know how how you guys it works here. The big chain is Cineplex over there. It's what Cinemark is that? Well, we got, uh, it's we got one of them. Yeah. Ones. Yeah, you have several here. Cineplex pretty much dominates the uh, the country, and um, uh, Cineplex has um, has a website where you know you can get buy a. You've always been able to buy a super ticket uh, where if for twenty bucks, then you own the movie digitally after what, once it's released. But if you go to the website now, and it's always been like this, older films that they have paid rights for. Uh, are available to rent or buy digitally. And so they've put the ones, you know, like Invisible Man, Emma, uh, which I do recommend, uh, and um, uh, The Hunt and, you know, others that I I don't necessarily recommend because I haven't seen them. Birds of Prey is out now too. Yeah, Birds of Prey, exactly. So if you go on there on on the Cineplex uh, platform, for Canada anyway, so I imagine it's the same for, you know, American or UK or, uh, you know, everybody's got their own big, 
you know, uh, Cineplex franchise. You can rent films that, that were in theaters not so long ago or – so if you wait a bit, you can rent them for five bucks, you know. Uh, so I don't – but this is the thing. It's like, well, what haven't I seen? Okay, I can watch 21 Bridges or something, you know, uh, for five bucks because – and it was still in theaters like recently. So yeah, okay, maybe. But all those new releases – I, I'm, I, you know, I listened to the episode of obviously the, the original, the first. Meanwhile, and when you got to the discussion about uh, theaters, it was like, well, for people who, for for whom it is a an outing, and I mean, I went every week, and as soon as it's open again, you know, we're gonna start going again every week. So I, I feel like it's it's you know, a lot of people are just it's like trade waiting. Um, you, you can wait for it to come on net, your Netflix or other streaming platform. And a lot of people do that no matter what. And they don't really have a stake in seeing new films as soon as they come out. Uh, but everyone who wants to see films as soon as they come out or that enjoy that experience are still going to go. I, I don't think the audience is going to go anywhere. So uh, it, it's, I, more, I, I'll, it's, it's I'll more what Shag is that. talking about, right? Well, isn't well, it more like on, on the business side of things that, that it might change rather than audience and audiences disappearing altogether. Well, they've opened the Pandora's box to some extent of letting people buy films, um, you know, opening mm -hmm. day, whatever. I will tell you that if they continue this for families where a family of four can get the new Disney film at home rather than going to the theater, that will change everything. Cause I, maybe I'm speaking just because of my family, but we certainly would do it home rather than go to the movie theater experience. Absolutely. Cause again, I pay 20 bucks. I get the movie. I go to the theater with four kids, you know, with four people. I'm paying 60 bucks, you know, whatever. So I think the family experience would definitely change that market. Yeah. I mean, and, I, and make I, it more fun for us because, uh, you know, <laughs> kids in theaters can be sometimes, uh, it's not even the kids. It's the parents. You can watch frozen two without screaming babies. That's right. Right. <laughs> I feel like it's just kind of putting fire on something, uh, fuel on a fire that was already happening, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like Rob, Rob was saying how he, he watched the invisible man, uh, at home and he was happy to do that, right? Even at $20 because you have to divorce yourself from the idea that it's a, a movie rental. And if you're of a certain age, <laughs> yeah, yeah. If it's more than a dollar 99 and it's a movie rental, you're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> but like, but like, I mean, this is what's happening in the movie theaters. Like, if you look at if you look at ticket sales for uh, for movies, like title by title, the the big movies they have big box office, and then the next step down is enormous. Like, it is an enormous gulf between huge and then just sort of middling. And a lot of these middling movies, they're not making any money for the people that produce them. Uh, even if they in, intend for them to do, you know, movies can come out and and are immediately a flop because internet buzz. There's just not enough meat in the seats, as it were. Um, but but like nobody's really well, not nobody. Most people are not going to watch Endgame at home on a streaming platform for the first time and be you know like cool with it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like they want to see that movie in the movie theater. They don't want to see that movie at home on their TV or, or they do. And they just wouldn't care anyway. They can wait a couple of weeks for that movie. Like the people who want to see that movie day of, as Siskoid was saying, they, they're probably not going to be cool watching that movie in particular. 
in uh, in their homes on their TV. Even if they have a nice uh, a nice home theater system, it's still it's just not the same thing as like you know the the step down from IMAX theater at your local movie theater chain. But you know, uh, I think the thing to remember is that Disney, in particular, uh, since they own everything now, is is not going to allow a multi-billion-dollar potential multi-billion-dollar film to not make potentially multiples of billions of dollars, right? Hmm. So they are going to support these this venue because this is the venue whereby you can charge the right amount to make those billions of dollars. What what I'm wondering now, right, is are they using this as an opportunity, as an experiment, as a test of uh, concepts to say, can we still make a billion dollars on Endgame by releasing it at 20 bucks a pop on, on Amazon, right? Or, you know, I'm using Endgame as an example, our new big thing. And it seems like they're saying no, right? Because Black Widow that is potentially a billion dollar movie. And, and as Rob said, they're not leaving it on, they're not putting it on Disney plus. They're not even putting it on Amazon. So you can rent it for 20 bucks. They're holding out until the movie theaters reopen. I'll tell you what, if they get that movie in the theaters, the first weekend that movie theaters reopen around the country, that is going to be the biggest selling movie. Of oh all. yeah. <laughs> everybody's got cabin fever. They're going to be running out. So, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of irons in the fire here. I'll play devil's advocate, uh, to some extent. I think, I think you're onto it as far as Disney's testing out different models. Cause, you know, they just put onward on the Disney Plus mm-hmm. platform, you know, for everyone okay. to have. Um, I, 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 I'm not taking a shot. Normally, you know, I would never miss a sh- uh, opportunity to take a shot at Rob. But I do think Rob and Corey are movie buffs. And I think the movie going experience, as we know, is incredibly important to you guys. Yep. I think, I think the rest of the world, not the rest of the world, but there's a large portion of the wallet opening, paying people that the movie going experience isn't that important. Oh, yeah. Seeing the movie, yeah. seeing the movie early is important, but not seeing, not, not getting to the theater is that important. So I think again, the family movie market and Disney is the biggest one in that field, obviously, but you know, DreamWorks is there too. I think that could really be a game changer for figuring out a home experience. So what do you think the top ticket price is that you, that, that someone would pay? to see a brand new, you know, not all ages, but family Disney movie, like let's say an end game. Like what, what do you think people would pay? Because from home, uh, you mean opening day? Yeah. yeah, yeah I, I think if they're smart, they, they change but the whole movie going experience. You have a lowering tier ticket. You watch it opening day. You know, if you watch it at midnight the night before sort of thing, you're going to pay 45. I'm, I'm making numbers up here, guys, $45 right. for that midnight showing. You want to watch it the next day, eh, you're going to pay 35. You watch it a week later, you pay 25. You know, it's, you have a staggering pricing schedule for the people that want to see it right away because they know that it used to be the movie going experience was what drove everyone that opening it. Now it's, I don't want the spoilers. That's what's going to drive me to watch it opening day is yeah. I don't want to be on social media and go, Oh my God, you know, Darth Vader's looks dad. So, uh, sorry, spoiler, but so I, I think that that's a possible model. You know, again, these guys are a lot smarter than I am. But I think we're going to see some changes. Again, working in the movie theater business 20 years ago and having friends that are still in it now, eh, I, I feel like they're sort of like comic book stores in some extent where they're holding it on. And the movie theater companies have to pay so much in to the uh, or let the, the theater company keep so much of that film profit that 
they, you know, if they can use this Disney Plus platform to do different things or whatever, I, I think those, I think we're going to see a lot more of it. I mean, I think we're definitely going to see. We don't need twelve, sixteen theater chains anymore. I mean, you walk into our local movie theater, which is what sixteen movie theaters. Eight of them are playing whatever the current movie is. You know, whatever the current few movies are. And then the occasional fathom event. So this has got to impact that, right? Well, that, it's a much bigger discussion to have another day. But they actually have to have those 16, 20 screens in order to afford the, yeah. the big blockbuster movies, believe it or not. And I can explain all that another day. But we're already running long here. But that's a, So they have to have a, a large number of screens in order to make it fit financially work. So you're right. Probably, how, do, how, do they, how do you do that? How do you, when there's not as many movies out there, how do you keep that model working? And probably they're they're struggling with headcount because with the whole pricing issue. Because if I'm alone, I, I you know when Rob said he watched uh, Invisible Man with uh, there were two of you. Yeah, great. That's like ten dollars a pop. That's a normal movie ticket, not cheap night, but you know. Um, and you would probably have spent more than that just on getting there, food, whatever. Yep. 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 In my case, well, I'm I'm sitting here alone, so I'm not watching the Invisible mm. Man for twenty dollars. That's uh, that's much too much, and um, but at the same time, the you know movie companies don't want you to sit there watch Black Widow uh, for twenty bucks or even forty bucks, and you're like twenty people in the room. Uh, it's great for on pandemic time, <laughs> very few people in the room. Uh, in normal time, you know, post all of this, um, you could you could hold watching parties and. Uh, where they would have gotten, let's say, ten dollars a pop for seven people, uh, there, you know, you're now paying twenty dollars for seven people. So yes. it's, I mean, that's what they're probably struggling with. The well, fear of model's been there for a long time, though. Well, yeah, I mean, sorry, I guess we're out of time. But <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming, everybody. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, I think they're struggling with that the the massive amounts of profit that they can make at the movie theater because there is a headcount, uh, as opposed to. These these larger platforms with where at least two people are benefiting you know benefiting from that one ticket, um, so it, it's it's gonna be you know it's gonna be money men trying to decide what's yep. what's best for them uh, rather than for us. Well. Uh, we should be wrapping up here. I will just say, remember, folks, reach out to your local comic shop. Find out what you can do to help them buy stuff that's on their shelves or whatever. Uh, buy gift cards. That was a great suggestion I heard earlier. Encourage them to promote what they have on the shelves out on the social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, to get even more people to buy. Because if they're shipping, they can ship anywhere in the world. So you could buy it from, you know. Corey's crazy area of the country. <laughs> uh, yeah, we should we should no, wrap. We, we should. only have one comic shop. Yeah. We should wrap up here. I do want to mention – I'll ask this of everybody as the last thing uh, is is because I talked about this in the previous episode is that we were binge-watching 30 Rock. Uh, that was our big thing. And we, we finished 30 Rock. We finished all seven seasons of 30 Rock in, in eight, uh, nine working days. We only watched them from nine to five. Uh, while we were working, and then we turned it off and watched other stuff. We're we're really enjoying the great pottery throwdown, by the way, Corey. Thank you very much for that recommendation. Um, oh, most welcome. Yeah, we're already into season three on that. But is there anything that you guys are planning or have been binge watch, like something that you're like, you know what? I've been meaning to get to X. 
uh, and now I have time to get to X. And I know with Ushag, it's the Sad Sack Comics. So we'll go with we'll, – we'll, we'll get to you last. But, I mean, let's start – Siskoid, is there anything that you've just been sort of putting off in, in, in case there was ever a pandemic and now there is? <laughs> no, not really. You know, I've been watching whatever I wanted to watch. But, uh, I mean, it, it, actually, I've been working more. Uh, like, like I said, like on projects that take a little too much time and I did, never had the momentum for it. Uh, so like the, that Doctor Who source book that I'm working on right now, that's taking a lot of hours away from what, you know, time that I would have used normally to, to, to clear my DVR of movies that I tape on TCM. So TCM is very much the station, uh, that my TV is always on. And so I can catch, uh, or record really, um, older movies, international movies. Uh, so I, you know, I, I, every month I just make a big watch list, tape everything that I need, want, and then watch it whenever. So, um, it, you know, for me, there hasn't been much impact. We've just finished a series of Doctor Who, just finished a series of uh, Star Trek Picard. So as far as new stuff coming out, I mean, it's, oh, yeah, oh, there, there's a, an abyss suddenly. So I'm sort of waiting for, discovery i guess i don't know when you know when new show but at some point there's gonna be a dearth of of new material because you know actors can't get together either so uh (laughs) there's there's bound to be delays on on various shows that people love so yeah by all means go back and watch things that you've loved before that you i think uh, if people go to the comments on the previous meanwhile episode uh david is gutierrez gives a bunch of recommendations for binge watching, and I agreed with them all. So wow, didn't see wow. that. <laughs> I I, I, gener- I would generally never endorse any suggestion David S. Gutierrez makes, but in that case, yeah, I agree. He had some good suggestions there. Uh, uh, and maybe, there- maybe maybe his wife wrote them for him. Yeah, maybe so. And uh, Ange, is there anything that you've been meaning to get to other than your Supergirl podcast for the Fire and Water Podcast Network? Nice. Uh, uh, I will say, much like Siskoid, uh, uh, my channel of choice is Turner Classic Movies, and I tend to. DVR a lot, so the <laughs> hope will be that I will be able to empty out the DVR of all of these things. Um, More Gene Tierney you, movies! Well, well, it's so funny that you say that, Rob, because like around <laughs> the TCM movie channels on my um, uh, on my package are uh, channels that show a lot of infomercials and occasionally an old movie, and so I have um, uh, programmed the DVR to tape tomorrow, Dragon Wick. Ah, yes! Like a, which I've never seen before, so it'll be new to me, Gene Tierney, so hooray for that. Um, uh, so really it's going to be clear out um, the DVR of all of the older movies that I've taped off of TCM. From uh, Ron's point of view, um, it's been a long time since I've started with The Anatomy Lesson and read all of the Alan Moore Swamp things, so I think I'm going to do that. Um, it has been a while since I've done a real deep dive into all of the Grant Morrison stuff I have. So I think that I'm going to do um, all of the multiversity books um, and also his Batman and Robin run, which um, it's been a long time since I've looked at that. Um, so I'm starting to put these piles next to, you know, on my nightstand of like, this is the next big thing I'm going to sort of try to tackle. Um, uh, so those are the things that I think I'm planning right now. Very so cool. Ange has a uh, leading up to madness plan, it sounds like, a rereading a bunch <laughs> of Alan Moore and Grant Morrison. He's just going to come out of that a different man. <laughs> I think we're all headed uh, there. Uh, <laughs> uh, Corey, what about you? So Shag and I are, are twinning a little bit. I, uh, I fell behind on uh, Picard, and so I, I spent a little bit of time recently binge-watching that, finished that up. It's amazing, Shag. You are not going to be uh, dissatisfied, I don't believe. Yay! Um, the uh we you know i i watched the uh i i did the 
it's not really a simulcast, a simul watch, I guess, of the uh, Day of the Doctor episode. Yes. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was we really did that cool. together. Yeah, we did, yeah. It was just really cool to see that all happen. Uh, TV show I've been binge watching is um, Schitt's Creek. I don't know if any of you have seen it, but it absolutely is absolutely genius. Absolutely genius. It is one of the funniest shows. It, it, it is, it is uh, just... Um, it's, it's semi-scripted. It is, um, parts of the Christopher Guest family of, of actors, really just incredibly, incredibly funny. Uh, it's available on, on, um, Netflix in the United States anyway. It's a Canadian show. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe Siskoid's already seen it, but it is really, truly funny. Um, and then I have, uh, I have a few, um, YouTubers that I, I watch daily. I, I watch uh, Woodworking for Mere Mortals because it rec- I turned 40 and apparently like I wanted to be a woodworker. I don't know why that happened, but it did. <laughs> so like that's become this weird little obsession slash, um, you know, passion of mine in the last year or two. Uh, so I watch this Woodworking for Mere Mortals guy and he does this uh, lockdown woodworking because he's in California under lockdown. So he's been building a project and you sort of watch it happen in real time. Like every day he gives you, here's what I'm doing now. And he just records himself doing it and then puts it up on YouTube. Um, which I f- makes me feel, uh, very much not disconnected. Um, and, and, uh, and of course the other, uh, two things that I've been watching are, um, the, uh, the pottery throwdown, which I was watching at the very, this most recent season ended at the very beginning of all of this COVID-19 stuff. Uh, and that is very much a Zen show for me. Um, and, uh, and this other YouTuber, uh, channel is called comic tropes and it's like a 15 or 20 minute deep dive into a very specific title. So, um, you know, sort of like a podcast, but online, um, I mean, but, uh, visible, visible. And, uh, that's, that's pretty much my day. Every night I settle down, Jamie goes to bed, I sit down turn on YouTube and I watch a couple of these things happen. Shag? That that day, the doctor thing was so fun. It was Corey, myself, Andrew Leyland, and uh, and then of course the rest of the world. But we're the three that mattered. Just constantly messaging each other through every moment of the show, like, oh my god, here it comes! You know, I'm crying. You know, all that stuff. That was super fun. Um, and Shit's Creek, by the way, who's so stinking good. I accidentally discovered that back in 2018, recovering from some surgery. And I was all hopped up on drugs anyway. And uh, I remember writing to Siskoid in our in our private chat saying, you know, on behalf of all of America, thank you, Canada and Siskoid, for this show. Uh, it's so hilarious. I wrote half the episodes. Well, we appreciate <laughs> that. Apparently. Apparently. Well, I would, I would imagine Welcome. Boss with the other half, so. <laughs> so uh, for me, the, the, my, my free available time hasn't actually changed that much because, you know, I, I've always worked from home, so I didn't save any time on commute. Uh, I, I'm not in a position when I'm working where I can watch shows. It's just my job's not that of that kind of nature. I have to be 100% focused. Um, and pretty much my life normally is my work, uh, a lot of family time, and then podcasting. And that's kind of what I'm still doing. So I don't really have a lot of additional free time. So it's just fitting in stuff I want to do around the available time that's the same. So that's, you know, I already mentioned all the stuff I'm doing, so I won't bother mentioning it all again. 
All right. What about you, Rob? What, what have you done since you recorded last time? Well, like I said, we, we finished 30 Rock. We started the Pottery Throwdown. Uh, I am recording a little more than I normally would. Like, I released two episodes of Treasury Cast in one day. So I'm trying to take advantage of that. But, yeah, I don't. other than my commute, I don't have a whole lot of extra free time because I'm working from home. And I'm working the same day. And because everything goes slower... Uh, I'm actually working a little later than I normally would because things are not done. Things uh, I, mm. I do I do I deal with daily program schedules and uh, those have to go out. Uh, you know, and it's sort of funny to watch that. Like CBS TV is running basketball games from ten years ago on Saturdays now. That's just sort of hilarious. <laughs> to me. Um, so, uh, but yes, yeah, so life. Along, I'm sorry. We should we should have said this earlier. Is that. We realize we're sitting here talking about our jobs and what we're doing, and there's a lot of folks at home probably listening who can't work and are right. making revenue yeah. right now. And our hearts go out to you guys. Please understand that. And um, you know, I, I, I don't mean to sound like we're oh poor us. We have a job. I, we we don't mean to sound in that way at all. We're just this is our reality, and this is what we're all dealing with right now. So, but our hearts go out to everyone right now, and what the challenges each individual person's facing. Yeah, we mentioned on the previous show last week that yeah, I'm trying to be very mindful of what I put out about this particular subject because I am very fortunate that I still have a job. And, uh, you know, I mean, we all have things to, to envy kind of what's going on. I mean, Siskoid, I envy you that you live in a functioning government. I mean, that's just great. That's got to be a fun thing. Um, so, you know, we all have – we're all <laughs> – we're all, on you. Yeah, we're all dealing with, with things here. So I, we should wrap this up because uh, timey-wimey-wise, uh, I know that Siskoid and Corey have another show to record <laughs> after this one. We gotta, the train has to keep moving, everybody. <laughs> we, will, we will wrap this up here. Thanks, everybody, for the comments of the previous episode. Uh, I, you know, we're hoping to get as many people involved in this as possible. This was great to have such a big group going on for this episode, and maybe we'll do one – Next week and maybe the week after, who knows? It seems like this thing is going to go on for quite a while, so maybe we'll have a chance to do more of these meanwhile episodes. So I am not going to ask everybody for their plugs because we don't have another hour to go over this show, so we'll just wrap it up here. Uh, of course, you can find everybody on various sites across the Internet, and you can find more episodes of everything we're doing on the Fire and Water Podcast Network, including Angie's future Supergirl show. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to drop that. So thanks, everybody, for listening. And once again, we're going to sign off with Luke Dobbs' song, the quarantine song, sung to the tune of Allentown. So enjoy that. He's produced another song, uh, which was quarantine-related, again, parodying Billy Joel. I don't know why something about Billy Joel just seems to work out when you're using the word quarantine. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you later. Bye. And we're living here in quarantine. Unlike anything we've ever seen At the grocery store they're buying wine Fuel and papers for their behind And my skin is dry from washing my hands I just canceled all my summer plans Baby boomers are still on the town Touching their faces walking around